up welcome back to point blank episode number 44 i'm chantelle chen joined alongside akeem haynes before we get into the show we just want to say if you've been supporting the show if you've already subscribed thank you so much for rocking with us but if you haven't make sure to click that like button also hit that subscribe button you can also follow us on our social media channels and uh, you'll see in the description below the ways that you can connect with us but on twitter we're at point blank pod and on ig we're at the point blank pod so make sure to give us some follows there as well and if you want to leave a rate and review on any of the podcast platforms that you get your podcast from make sure to do that as well we would really appreciate it and of course it would help the channel grow before we get into what we have on deck today uh, Akeem I want to start off by saying congrats uh, a joint venture with the Believe Podcast Network which is absolutely huge if you also haven't subscribed yet to Unscripted make sure you do that some real inspirational stories on there uh, Akeem if you want to you know, co uh, cross promote here. Uh, congratulations on your big news. And uh, how are you feeling about everything? Uh, you know me, man, I'm pretty even keel about everything as I always am. So uh, it's a great opportunity. Uh, we'll see how it goes. I'm not a person who just gets excited in the moment right away. I like to see how things are going to go. But uh, I like the partnership, I like the direction of what it can be. And so you know, we just continue trying to do what we can to control what we can and let God handle the rest. But I am looking forward to it, to it. But if you're looking for that, that scream of excitement from me, um, you're probably not going to probably not going to get a Chantel. But on the other side of it, uh, you had a big event this weekend. Right. And I tuned in, you know, tried to get some videos of it on the point blank page. You know, you, you know, you asking some good questions there, you know, and, and, and what I liked about it the most was, uh, you know, boxing is such a predominantly big in, say, like, obviously in America, uh, UK, parts of Cuba, parts of Mexico, but not so much in Canada, especially Western Canada. Uh, tell, tell us a little bit about that experience. Um, yeah, I just want to say, um, you know, shout out to Empire Boxing Promotions, quick shout out to Anna, Jana, Dan, and of course, Matt Hoffer, uh, the original Hoff. Um, but I just want to say shout out to them for, um, yeah, cause there's two Hoffers actually that I used to work with. So his bro- younger brother, but anyways, that's not the point, but shout out to them for letting me be a part of it. Uh, super cool. And as you just mentioned, like in Canada, of course, it's not as big as it is in the States and, uh, Mexico, Cuba, the UK, it's massive, right? So, Um, It's definitely a different culture, but what we're trying to do here in Canada, especially um, in BC, is kind of grow the sport a little bit and get guys to obviously that are boxing to have these professional fights and just build across Canada. And uh, yeah, the future looks bright, man. It was a really dope event. It was held at the Grand Villa Casino. So, you know, that's always fun, like going to a boxing fight at a casino. That's always like bucket list stuff, right? But I thought they did a pretty dope job and the fights were awesome as well. So it was fun, man. And uh, definitely looking forward to doing some more stuff. But enough about me as I ramble because everyone's going to hear me ramble on the show for at least the next 40 five minutes uh but we got a good one akeem um you know we're gonna start off actually with the hardwood because things are happening it's the nba off season there's always so much drama but the biggest question right now is with utah trading away rudy gobert they're definitely tearing it down (laughs) so at this point there's been so much talk about where donovan mitchell is gonna go where do you see him ending up and how much is he worth 
Yeah, I mean, this whole situation, I really only see it happening possibly two ways, maybe third. And the third option, before I say it, is just a toss-up in the air of the potential of the idea of what it could be. Uh, I don't think Donovan Mitchell wants to be in a small market anymore, right? I think he wants to go out to see what else is out there. But it's a big move, not just on the court, but off the court as well, too, because you know, I always say like the first time that you go into a new contract, any type of sport, you want to play out that contract, you want to do well, and then you want to set yourself up for the big payday, right? If you get two payday, if you get one big payday, okay, cool. You're probably good biting. You're not irresponsible with your money. You get two big paydays. Okay. Well now the stress is of, am I going to have to find opportunities post career and now you can just play for a chip now a lot of people play for a chip towards the end of the year when they aren't that same person so this move is going to be an interesting one for donovan mitchell i think right now i don't i'm i'm thinking the new york knicks because it makes sense that's 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 the one thing people are talking about the new york knicks makes sense if he is looking at things away from the sport of basketball, the Knicks need, I don't know what pieces that they would have to give up, but it's it, still the Knicks. Maybe they get into the playoffs. But they're not going to go far in the playoffs. So that's something to keep into mind. If he is seeking opportunities and things away from the court, I'm sure they would be a decent team, but I don't see them really excelling and being a playoff contender. So, the Knicks, the other team that I can see, and this is more or less just tossing up in the air, just seeing what it could be, right? A lot of times we've got to have imagination and seeing what things could be. Possibly the Denver Nuggets, right? That's an interesting little fix right there. Joker is there. You know Joker is playing at an elite level, right? Uh, now you probably have to give up Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. and a couple other picks, right? Now that one's probably not going to happen, but in life, we can't rule out anything. Anything is possible, but I think that would be an interesting part, but I think it would be something would really have to go wrong for him to stay in Utah with all that is changing there, in my opinion. So if I had to say, probably go into the Knicks, the sleeper for me, and it's, I don't think it's going to happen, but it's a possibility. Maybe the Denver Nuggets would be a good fit for him as well, too, the Joker and that coaching staff. But uh, what are your thoughts, until Where do you see it going? Well, as a Knicks fan, I would like Donovan Mitchell in New York. However, I don't want to give up R.J. Barrett. Of course, that's where everyone's talking about where he's going to go is New York. That's the number one spot because New York also has all the draft picks, right? They've been loading up on those draft picks. So is he worth six first rounders? No, but it's like, Minnesota paid so much for Rudy Gobert that he would have to be worth like six or seven draft picks. If that's what you gave up for Rudy Gobert, who, by the way, gets shut down in the playoffs all the time. Is Donovan Mitchell worth six or seven first round draft picks? Then what are you giving up for Kevin Durant? Are you just like giving a franchise like a new franchise? Because like KD is way better than Donovan Mitchell. I just think the asking price has to be right if it is the Knicks. I don't think you give up R.J. Barrett because I think he's a piece that you have for the future. So you can't get rid of him, but you can, you know, get rid of some salary. Are they going to get rid of uh, Evan Fournier? Um, are they going to give up Emmanuel quickly? Like, I'm okay with giving up Emmanuel quickly for Donovan Mitchell. Am I okay with giving around up seven first rounders? No. I don't want to give up seven first rounders. I don't want to give up six first rounders, but that is what he would be worth at this point. Mm -hmm. And for the Knicks, 
they've done decent in the draft. I mean, drafting RJ Barrett. I really like Quentin Grimes, who was, you know, shining out in summer league and he's a good defensive piece as well, but the Knicks have some pieces and they have the draft picks. It's just like, what is Donovan Mitchell worth? And I don't think RJ Barrett should be a part of that trade package whatsoever. If they want to alleviate some of the contracts that they have, like a Derek Rose, I hope he goes to a contender. I'm pretty sure maybe Utah would then buy him out. Um, which by the way, I'm Derek Rose but it's just, um, I just don't know if he's worth that much. And as a Knicks fan, it's like, I rather build through the draft, but I know a lot of people don't want to do that. Knicks so, want to win now. You guys are stressed. But you're not going to win with, like, Donovan Mitchell is good, but he's not like Kevin Durant. And I'd give up seven draft picks for Durant. Like, I would give up seven draft picks for Durant, but I'm like, for Donovan Mitchell, like, damn the Minnesota Timberwolves. But they screwed I, over everybody, dude. But you know what I think it is, too, Chantel? You know, especially in the sporting world, and, and just the way how certain contracts work, right? Like, I think you and I have talked before about contracts off air. If I'm 30 years old, 34 years old, and I'm running uh, 9-8, right? And I've been durable. I've been good. But if there's an up and, but if there's somebody who's younger, maybe 10 years younger, five years younger, and they're running 9-9, they're going to give it to the younger person because they can say, you know what? They have more years to come. And so that's what I could see them leaning into because Kevin Durant is 34 years old. Donovan Mitchell is still in his 20s. So, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, I get that. But I think KD is just a better player. Oh, and he would absolutely. immediately, immediately make an impact where we've seen. I know KD's dealt with injury problems, but when he is healthy, he's the best player in the NBA. 100%. Like, I, I, you know, I would never argue with anyone about that. Donovan Mitchell, on the other hand, like, he's top 15 player. You're going to give up seven, six draft picks for a top 15 player. Like they're going to have to give up that much, but I'm like, I'm not down for it for some strange reason, but he's a New York guy. He's from the state of New York. So it makes sense for him to be there. The only other place where I think he'd be a really, really good fit, but they don't have the draft picks is Miami because I could see him being in Miami. They would have to give up like a Tyler hero, maybe a Duncan Robinson. And maybe I think they have about three draft picks that they could give up first rounders, but Mm -hmm. apparently Utah is saying that's not enough. And that makes sense. If they got six draft picks for Rudy Gobert, Minnesota (laughs) screwed over everybody, but that's what I'm trying to say. Point blank would love to know where you would like to see Donovan Mitchell go. Do you think he goes to the Knicks and how much is he worth in terms of draft picks? If it is the Knicks, would you give up RJ Barrett? Let us know in the comment section below. And of course uh, we love to hear from you. Make sure to follow us on our social media platforms as well. We're going to stick with the hardwood. There was a big trio that I guess was kind of formed during the off season as well. I don't know if some people would still call it big. I think it is a three-headed monster. If they are healthy, that's the key piece. Kawhi Leonard, PG, and John Wall. Akeem, tell me what you think about this trio, and can they win a championship? I think you said it spot on. If they are healthy, right? We don't know what Kawhi is going to look like when he comes back. We don't know what John Wall is going to look like, even though he is healthy, right? So it says... And PG came on late, but, you know, we don't know what type of shape these guys are going to be in. On paper, it looks absolutely phenomenal. You add Ty Lue in the mix, one of the best coaches in the league today with that staff. Everything looks great on paper. But to me, if this is going to work, I think it's a two-year project, right? I think the first year, it's it's, it's a lot of unanswered questions more more than there is 
answers to it, right? Because you ask them, how are these people going to be able to mesh together? Are they going to slow the pace down? Are they going to increase it up? Like, how are they all going to mesh and make it work? What are they going to look like when they come back? How is the ego going to go? Who is going to take the final shot when things happen? So these are things that I think we have to uh, wait to see how it's going to play out. On paper, they do have the numbers. They do have the stats. They do have the pieces. And they got a lot of their people coming back as well, too. You look at that Clippers team. You look at it just on paper. You put every other team's stuff down on paper. And you think it to yourself, man, these guys, these guys have the opportunity to, to possibly three-peat. Like, it looks that good. But I still think it's a two-year project. I think the first year, they will look good. But I think the second year, if they're going to win, I think it happens that second year and not that first year. But I do see them uh, getting a big, uh, probably a, a deep playoff run if they look okay and if they can stay healthy because that's the name of the game, staying healthy. And, 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 and even when you haven't played so long, especially in John Wall, in this atmosphere, your body doesn't know how to adapt and to adjust. And it could overextend itself and he could hurt himself hopefully not we want to see john wall we want to see them together we want to see the league flourish but back to the original question on paper it looks good can they win a chip in year two more than they can in year one what are your thoughts until how do you see it going you're a big john wall person i'm a huge john wall person um i think it all depends on if they're healthy to be honest with you, because I don't actually think it's a one, two year process because we know that Kawhi got injured. He took a year off. Is he going to be the same dude when he comes back? We know people do recover from ACL injuries a little bit quicker than they did back in the day. However, we already saw what this team could be before Kawhi got injured. And if he didn't tear his ACL, I would have had them going pretty far and deep into that postseason run that they were already on. All they needed was a point guard at the time. And they have a point guard. People forget that before Houston decided to put John Wall onto the bench and not play him. And before he started playing in Houston, when he was in Washington, at one point, he was the best two-way player in the league. He was the best two-way point guard in the league. Then you add it with the Kawhi, a Paul George. You have a Norman Powell. You have a Xavier Moon, who, by the way, played for the CEBL. Good guy. You have, a, you know, a Terrence Mann. You have a Reggie Jackson. Like, this is a stacked team on paper. It just depends on if they're healthy because I think we already see what saw what they could be. And obviously Kawhi got hurt. They added a piece like John Wall. They will have to mesh together. When you talk about the last shot, it's going to be Kawhi. Like that's easy, right? Like we've seen him hit the biggest shot probably mm -hmm. in Canadian basketball history. Lucky shot, but the biggest shot if you talk to anyone from Toronto. But <laughs> yeah, they love that shot. It was lucky as hell though. But I mean, he is a clutch guy. And so he would take the last shot because John Wall's not a shooter. Like he can hit a tray, but he's not the guy that you go to for a last second shot. So it'd have to be Kawhi or PG. And we I know that Reggie Jackson. Over Kawhi to me. See, the thing about PG is like, yeah, PG is clutch. You know, he can be clutch at times, but it's just like that killer instinct. Like, I, I don't think PG has that killer instinct. We see does? playoff P. Oh yeah, Kawhi definitely does. Cause he does it on both ends of the floor. Right. Like he he does it on both ends of the floor and we've seen him do the killer instinct. Like if it wasn't for him, they would have never won the championship. He did a one and done in Toronto and it's not talked about enough. He was the only all star on that team. Kyle Lowry shouldn't have been an all star that year. That's a conversation for another time. But yeah, man, this is a team that I think can go far if they're healthy. And that's all that matters. Are they going to be healthy at the same time? Because at one point, the Clippers didn't even have the rotation playing for like more than 15 games. If you remember, 
so many guys were sitting out. So it's about consistency. Are yeah. they going to be able to get that consistency? So that's my thing. And if they do get the consistency and those three guys are healthy, watch out because they're going to be a problem in the Western Conference. But Point Blank would love to know your thoughts on what you thought about the Clippers and what they did in the offseason. If you think this big three can win a championship, drop some comments in our YouTube section. And of course, make sure to follow our social media channels. As we go over to boxing, Chantel, uh, Ryan Garcia was back in the ring against Javier Fortuna. Now, this needed to be a big win for Ryan Garcia. And he needed to do it in such a way that it it it, it looked like he that the time he took off was warranted, right? But what were your thoughts on this fight, Chantel? Man, this is a great fight. Javier Fortuna is a two-time former world champ. And although he's not the same Javier Fortuna, he's a little bit older. I thought this was a great performance from Ryan Garcia. This is what he needed. You know, he needed a big win like this. And the way that he dominated throughout that fight, how many times he knocked down Fortuna and those body shots. Like Ryan Garcia has that power and he's skilled as well. I thought he had a great performance and it was the type of performance he needed to kind of quiet everyone that was talking about him because we talked about his journey to this fight on the last episode. And there's been so much criticism behind Ryan Garcia. You know, does he care about boxing and all of this stuff? But he kind of just shut everyone up. And you saw that his second fight with Joe Goose and he, he looked totally different. He looked a lot more comfortable in the ring than when he did with Emmanuel Tego. And I think with Emmanuel Tego, he kind of held back a little bit because it was his first fight back after so long. And everyone was like, he's going to get the knockout and he didn't. So it was a little bit of a dud of a performance, but this is the performance that everyone wanted to see from Ryan Garcia. And they fought at 140. He said after the fight that he only wants to fight at 140. Now he called out tank, which is what you want to see in boxing. Like you want to see those fights. We want to see the big fights. And if we're talking about 140, well, there's a lot of guys at 140 that if he doesn't fight Tank, I would love to see him fight. Like, why does no one talk about Regis Progre? Mm -hmm. That's a fight I could be into. And if Ryan Garcia beats him, well, I'm talking real good about Ryan Garcia then. I kind of liked how he also said he wanted Teofimo Lopez. If the Tank fight doesn't happen because there's so like there's so much going on with like Dazen, um, with DAZN, and of course, like, they want the right to the fight because they've been promoting, you know, Garcia, but at the same time, Tank is with Showtime. So I don't even think that fight's going to get made, to be honest with you, because the politics of it all, will we get it later down the line? Probably. Um, do I think Ryan Garcia can beat Tank? I still give Tank the edge. I got to see more from Ryan Garcia still, to be honest with you. I still give, I still give Tank the edge. But this is something that I want to see. I thought Ryan Garcia had a good performance. He showed out. The thing about Ryan Garcia is, you can talk all the smack you want about him being like the social media influencer, um, doing things for clout, but the guy trained his butt off. He looked to be in great shape. He fought a great fight and he got the finish that he wanted. Like at this point, if you're hating on Ryan Garcia, like, what are you doing? Because he literally just beat a two-time former champ and, you know, props to Javier Fortuna because like if I, we, we've seen Javier Fortuna fight before and look what Ryan Garcia did to him. And, and I, I don't care that he's older or not. Like he dominated this fight and I think he deserves credit for it. And so he's going to be fighting at 140 now. He's calling out Tank. He's calling out Teofimo Lopez. And honestly, if those two fights don't get made, there's a lot of good fights at 140 that I would love to see Ryan Garcia in. 
So I think this is great for boxing and the 140 pound division is absolutely stacked. What about you, Akeem? What were your thoughts on this bout? Yeah. You know, I always look at, I always like to watch the, 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 the weigh-ins and I always like to watch the press conference just to see, just to see how they are. Right. My experience in high performance sports in high pressure situations Chantel, is the calmer that you are, the more, that you'll do better when you are who you are 24 seven in front of people, whether nobody's watching, then that is a confident person. Right. And the weigh-ins from what I saw his mannerisms, right. How he was just about his business, right. Ryan loves to talk. Right. But when he was asked the questions, right. It was all one word answers. It was like, look, y'all know what it is. I'm ready to be here. I'm ready to fight this and that. And then he and then he went on Sean Porter's podcast, uh, the Porterway podcast, great podcast, went on there and then flipped the script and then let himself go, let his personality show. He's just a kid that likes to have fun, right? But what I saw leading up to it was a different maturity and level of Ryan Garcia. And that probably has something to do with Joe Goosen. Right. From being with him and training and 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 just shifting his mindset a little bit, because the kid, regardless of what you think of him, Ryan Garcia has all of the skills, all of the tools that any fighter would want to have. The hand speed, the power, the shot placement, the combinations, the reach, the size, the length, he has it all. Right. But where he lacked the most was just the mentality. Can he stay focused? Can he stay disciplined? Can he dial in? Right. He in his last fight, that wasn't the Ryan Garcia that we know against Emmanuel Tago because I've done it when I was running. I raced down to my competition. He fought down to his competition. Right. And so it makes you change. Ryan Garcia, to me, showed me in this one when the stakes are up, when you're fighting a dangerous fighter, when you're fighting someone who knows can beat you at any given moment, he raises the level of himself and he raises the stakes. And we saw a little bit of that at Luke Campbell, but we really saw that 2.0 version against Javier Fortuna. Right. When he spit out his mouth guard Chantel and he was like it reminded me very briefly now they're now these are two different fighters they're not in the same class of 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 Roberto Duran and Sugar and uh and Sugar Ray Leonard and when Roberto Duran came in and was like yo you're dog you're doing too much moving around you're taunting like what is this about I thought we were gonna fight like last time and Sugar Ray frustrated Roberto Duran all night long and this is exactly what happened what is this con- contact your it what is happening here i don't know should we log back in finish what you gotta say and i'll edit it and then we'll log back in <laughs> what was i saying you were saying you're comparing it to sugary leonard and yes. uh duran yeah and 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 so this whole fight, I feel like Ryan Garcia just frustrated Javier Fortuna all night until he got the shot. And he was like, man, this kid is a lot better than I thought that he was. And so this to me was Ryan Garcia's best performance to date. And if this is the Ryan Garcia that we are going to see continuously moving forward, he gives problems to all of these guys, all of them, Tang, Devin Haney, Teofimo Lopez, Josh Taylor, whomever it is at 140. I'm not saying he wins those fights, but I am saying that he gives those guys problems, right? So if this is what we are going to see from him moving forward, you know, it's 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 good for the boxing scene. It's good for what is going to come next. Because if 
this, if this, the amount of reach that he's able to bring, the amount of people, the amount of eyes, it makes for a much, 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 much bigger fight. And both parties are going to make as much as they want to make. Imagine they imagine how much people would come to that Ryan Garcia and uh, Javante Davis fight. Right. You have to think it would be on the upper upper enchilance of maybe 30,000, 40,000 people. Right. And I know those numbers seem high, maybe even more. But when you look at what these two bring to the table and how much back and forth that they've been going, you would pay to see to see that fight. But what are your thoughts on this fight? Point blank would love to know. Who did you have winning this one? I know, I know, I know. We just want to know who did you have winning? I know there are some people there who thought Javier Fortuna was going to do enough, but did Ryan Garcia's performance impress you? Yo, honestly, though, like you just talked about the guys that he would be kind of faced up against like Teofimo Lopez, Tank Davis. Um, you know, you talk about, you mentioned Josh Taylor, who um, recently had to vacate his titles, but you talk about that division in Devin Haney, and all those guys are good. Everyone has their They're favorites. They're all going to move up. They're Dude, um, oh, for sure. They're, and you know what? Fighting They're at 140 big. is good. Like Tank already fought at 140. But here's the thing. I actually think, and he's actually like, he fights at one. I think Shakur Stevens better than all of them. Like when I was like looking at these guys, I was like, man, I, if I had to pick one of those guys, we know Shakur is going to move up too. Shakur's a big dude. Like, I don't even know how he fights at that weight class. Like I get it, but personally, I think Shakur beats all of them. And that's just my opinion. Like if you had to pick one, like just off the top of your dome, you don't have to give an analysis. Like who do you like the most from those guys? Like Tank, Devin Haney, Teofimo Lopez, which I know you're not going to pick. Um, <laughs> Shakur Stevenson, who is going to move up. Like he is going to move up. And uh, of course, when we just saw Ryan Garcia do there, like who do you like the best skill wise? And like who, like who is your favorite from that, from that group? Yeah, that's a tough one, man. If I'm if I'm if I'm thinking my favorite, um, my favorite, just personal favorite, would definitely definitely will be Tank. But if we're talking about from a favorite from a non-biased situation, yeah, I would I have to lean towards Shakur Stevenson simply because no one has been able to figure out that puzzle or even made yeah. it seem close. When you're blowing out your opponents and blowing out everybody that you step in the round with, right? The only loss that Shakur Stevenson has taken in the past decade, right, was when he fought uh, uh, Robesi Ramirez at the Olympics, right? Yeah. And 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 he's washed every single person that said that we're supposed to be him. It's hard to go against him and not think that he won't do the same to the rest of these guys in my opinion. But we're going to stay in the boxing ring, Chantel. Joette Gonzalez versus Isaac Dogbe is fighting this week, and Chantel, it's going to be a great fight. I think it's an underrated fight. It should be getting talked about a lot more because these are two world-class boxers, and it's going to be a great event and a great night of boxing. But what are your thoughts on this fight, Chantel? Who do you have winning? How do you see it going? You said it. It slept on. This fight is going to be an absolute war. Uh, Joette Gonzalez, 25 and 2, 15 of those wins coming by way of knockout. His two losses are Shakur Stevenson and Emmanuel Navarrete, which, by the way, those are really two good losses to have on your record. He's two inches taller than Dog Base. He also has the reach advantage, and he's got one hell of a chin because he took some major shots against Emmanuel Navarrete, and that one went to the cards, and he took some heavy 
heavy shot. So you know that Joe Gonzalez does have a chin. I think he has a really, really nice right hand. I think that's his best punch. And he has a nasty left hook. And he's really, really good at getting to the body. And I think that's what he's going to try to do in this fight. I think he's going to try to get to the body as well. For him to win, though, I think Joette has to like control the distance. And he has to let his hands go. Because that's been the one knock on Joette for a little while now is that he doesn't let his hands go at the right time because he tries to get his timing perfect and let it be immaculate. So in moments that he should be letting his hands go, he doesn't. And that's a little bit of a similarity between him and dog Bay, right? Because Isaac dog Bay is tw- he's 23 and two and his two losses are both Emmanuel Navarrete. Like I think Navarrete also knocked him out once if I'm not mistaken. The second so he's, He's been knocked out by Navarrete as well. And this is the title eliminator to face Navarrete, if I'm not mistaken. And it would be Navarrete. I think he said he was going to do one more fight at 130 and then move up. Mm-hmm. And we know that top rank loves him. But when you look at, you know, Isaac Dogbay, he's on a three fight win streak. So he's coming into this one with a little bit of momentum. Out of the two, when I look at him and Joette, I think that he definitely has the power advantage. He also has a really nice right hand. He's explosive. Um, He's an elite body puncher as well. The one thing I love about Isaac Dogbay is the way he throws his combos, man. The guy actually has speed. And when he throws like those nasty combos to the body, like that's going to hurt you a bit. He also is one of those guys that is going to want to fight on the inside. And I think if him and Joette get into a battle of brawling on the inside. I give the edge to dog Bay, but at the same time, he does also take a lot of hits as well. He does have the speed advantage. This one is going to be crazy. And I actually think it's a 50, 50 fight. Like when I was trying to pick who was going to win this fight, I was like, man, like, I don't know. I just like wrote down in my notes, like winner. And it was like a question mark. (laughs) (laughs) because (laughs) Yeah. Because I don't know who, like when I was thinking about it, I didn't know who I was going to pick to win this fight. But when I just look at the speed advantage and how well he moves around the ring and the fact that Joette's going to have to let his hands go control the distance because you don't want to get into a brawl with a guy like Dog Bay. I think they're both going to get hit a lot. I think there is going to be a high volume type of fight. I want to roll with Dog Bay because I like the fact that he's more explosive and I like that he has the power advantage. But the fact that also he's lost to Navarrete two times, he's been knocked out by Navarrete and Joette's also fought Navarrete. That one went to the cards. I think we're going to see a different Joette Gonzalez in, in this fight. So I'm a lot of people are taking dog Bay to win this fight because he does have the explosiveness. He does have the speed. He does have the power, but at the same time, I really like the skill set of Joette Gonzalez. So I'm going to take Joette Gonzalez to win on the cards by decision I might not even be surprised if it's a split decision. Hmm. This one could, yeah, you know what? I'm going to take Joe Gonzalez to win by split decision because I think this is going to be a really close fight. What about you, Akeem? You know, <laughs> a lot of people get knocked out by Neverate. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So the, 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 the biggest thing that I've seen from Isaac Dogbay from the second fight is uh, when I was doing research, just trying to figure out the backstory of him, his dad has been coaching him up to that point. And when he lost the second time, he took a lot of freaking punishment that second time. Uh, he left his dad and went to a different trainer. And since he went to a different trainer, he looks a lot different in many ways, especially in patience, his shot placement, his shot selection. 
and his movement. And I think that is what he's going to have to do this whole fight. I think he's going to start out hot, right? He's going to come out. You know, you're going to see that right hand. You know, you're going to see the power. You're going to see the speed, right? But it's going to be about the placement and the selection of where he hits Joette Gonzalez as Emmanuel Neverate did, right? Joette Gonzalez's high guard is so high that it doesn't come with any movement. It doesn't come with any head movement either. And Navarrete just waited and picked his spots inside the pocket and found the openings. And I think Dogbe can do the same. When we talk about Joet Gonzalez, man, he, he, he's got a lot of skills. There's not a lot of people who can get into the ring with Navarrete and get, I think he broke his nose or something yeah. or something broke in the second round. And he took a lot of punishment, but he gave some punishment and he still kept coming forward. I'm a little surprised that he actually lasted that whole fight, right? Because that, that, that again, man, he took, man, Neverate is a machine when it comes to work rate, right? But he, sometimes I don't know if Joette Gonzalez, if, if he can decide what fight that he wants to fight. Sometimes he needs to fight and sometimes he needs to box. And against Neverate, he decided to fight and try to, to outwork and to outpower and to, and to go shot for shot with, Never, uh, with Neverate. And you're not going to be someone at their own game like that if you can't make adjustments. When, um, so when he fought Shakur Stevenson, he tried to outbox Shakur. There's not a lot of people that can outbox Shakur Stevenson. That wasn't nobody. the right game plan in that fight. Yeah, nobody today. Maybe it may be a Devin Haney, but I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe, maybe. So I think in this fight, as you said, Joette Gonzalez needs to let his hands go when he is in close. And I would like to see a lot more movement in his ring. Sometimes he'll hit you and then he'll put his high guard up and then allow you to hit him. And then once you're done, then he'll hit back and then he'll do back and forth. But I'm always like, bro, you don't have to do that. You're skilled enough to hit out of your movement when you when you shuffle to the left, when you step back. You're skilled enough to move around the ring and not get hit. And you don't got to take the same punishment that you're giving. You can get out of the way. Right. And so I think in this fight, the one who is going to be able to make adjustments in the middle half of the fight, I think is going to get the edge. Why I'm going to pick Joette Gonzalez is because the previous fights that I've seen from Dog Bay, he looks very, very good from rounds one to six. Then from seven, he starts to fade a little bit. Then eight, he starts to lean on his opponents a little bit, starts to fight inside of the pocket. And as a shorter fighter, right? You're always kind of looking up and always kind of got your hands up and it makes you susceptible to getting uppercut as we saw what Neverate did. And I think that will be open for Joette Gonzalez. He doesn't have to rush anything. He doesn't have to headhunt if he buys time because he does have very good conditioning and his pop stays the same throughout the fight. If Dog Bay is going to win this one, he does not need to headhunt. He just needs to go and attack the body and just chop him down round to round to round. And the openings and the opportunity will come. But I think this one is going to the cards. If it is going to be a, a stoppage, it's going to happen late, maybe in the ninth or the final round. But I think this is going to go to the cards. But it's going to be a good fight. It's going to be. Wait, who are you picking? Joette Gonzalez. By the okay, gotcha. Got you. <laughs> we got the same pick there. Okay. I almost, I almost went, I, I almost went with Dog yeah. Bay, but as I went back and watched the tapes, I'm like, yo, in the fifth round, he, he's kind of slowing down. 
And then he's leaning a lot more. I'm just like, you know what? Maybe, maybe I just, maybe I just didn't see the right tape. So I went back and watched the other one and watched the other one and watched the other one. I'm just like, no, this seems to be the same tendency. So I'm not sold on his conditioning in the later rounds as much as I am with Joe at Gonzalez. But point blank would love to know your thoughts. Who do you have winning this one? Let us know in the comment section below. Before we get out of here, Chantel, uh, you know, we got to go to the word of the week, the encouragement section of the podcast. And, you know, I thought pivoting was a nice way to talk about this time route, because in, we think about the last three years, man, there's been a lot of situations that we didn't ask for that came into our lives that we're pivoting out of and trying to pivot right now. Right. And what I mean by pivot, I just mean, when is the right time to make a decision? When is it the right time to stay in a situation? When is the right time to do something different? And how should someone pivot out of it and still being hopeful for what's to come? But when I put it that way and package it that way, Chantel, when, I, when we talk about pivot, what comes to mind? Um, I think what stuck with me the most is the conversation about how do you pivot out of a situation? So that word, you can go so many different ways, but I'm going to probably stick with pivoting out of a situation that doesn't serve you anymore. And I, the only thing that I have to say about that is like, if you don't have a passion for it, if you don't have a drive for it, if you don't feel for it, if you don't love it anymore, if it's not something that you enjoy, you pivot, you know, pivot right out of that situation. Because I think the more that you hold on to something, it just drags you down. And if it's not serving you, if it's not feeding your soul, like, I think you got to do things that feed your soul. And in life, we get so caught up in trying to do so many other things because life is so fast paced that we take advantage of time all of the time. Double entendre. No, um, yeah, we take advantage of time all the time. We think it's always going to be there. But when you're stuck in a situation that you don't want to be in, it doesn't bring you joy. You're not feeling it anymore. And you're still in there. It just kind of holds you down and it doesn't let other blessings come into your life. And then you're also wasting your time. And that's the one thing you can never get back. You can make back money, can't get your time back. So for me, I think if you don't, if you're not feeling it anymore, if you don't have a love for it anymore, if it doesn't serve you, if it doesn't feed your soul, you pivot right up out of there. And you already kind of know that it doesn't. Hmm. I think sometimes we dwell on situations and we're like, should I leave? Should I, should I not? Should I stay? You already know what you want to do. I think sometimes people just want the validation of being like, you should do this. Yeah, no, you already know, you know, listen to, you, listen to your like intuition, but you know, that's the best way to go about it. What about you, Akeem? What does pivoting mean to you? And what do you think about when you hear that word? Man, you know, it just brings me right back to basketball. All right. When someone's pivoting in the, on the basketball court, you're trying to lose your opponent and you're trying to buy time to find the right shot or make the right pass and just make the right play. And I think there's a lot of us who are trying to make the right play, trying to make the right decisions, just trying to get it right. Because the reality is, even when we are maybe 100% certain about something, we're still not sure how it's going to play out. And so when I think about pivoting, I just think about, man, whatever situation that you're in, whether it's, it's financial related, whether it's life related, at the end of the day, you're trying to make the best decision with all the information that you've gathered, with all the information that you have accumulated to this day, and you're going out and you're seeking advice and wisdom from other people that you trust, and you're trying to put it all together, and you're trying to make a pivot to make the best calculated decision. 
And we don't know how that's going to play out. Only when we make a decision do we know how it's going to go. But when you think about the pivot of anything, it's making sure that if there is a right opening, if someone's making a cut to the basket, someone's coming over the top to try to alley-oop, you're just trying to make the best decision with the options that's presented to you. So when I think about pivoting, it just makes me think of, you know, gather all of the information that you have and accumulated. And when you're trying to figure out what is the right decision or what's next, just weigh your options. And as Chantel said, lead with your intuition, lead what is pulling you in that direction and let it play out. You know, I wish I wish there was a magic arrow that says, you know what, this is the right way where we should go or there was a, an explosion sign when it's the right decision or, or, or when we should go this way, but that's just not the way how it works. I wish it was, but find encouragement in knowing that in everything that you do, when you are thinking about pivoting out or pivoting in, you can only make the best decisions out of all the information that you have and trust that you will. So that's what comes to mind when I think about pivoting. If there's any stories or feedback about pivoting in your life that you would like to share with us, definitely let us know in the YouTube comments below. And before we get out of here, we are at what, 276 subscribers, almost at 300. Uh, we appreciate it. We appreciate everybody that continues to tune in and take the time to listen to the show. I ask for myself and for Chantel that you take a few moments and just leave a rating and review of the show. I know we ask, but this truly, truly goes a long way in moving the podcast forward, right? This is how all of the information on Apple Podcasts or Spotify works. The more comments, the more reviews, the more that we go up in the rankings. And we would love to be able to continue to produce and continue to provide uh, conversations like this and shows like this. And we definitely need your help to do so. So with that being said, I am Keem Haynes. I'm Chantal Chan. And this is episode 44 of Point Blank. And we'll see you next time.